This is the Everything EV Podcast by EV Powered. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Everything EV Podcast, a weekly show that brings you the latest news, views and opinions from every corner of the EV industry. I'm your host, Charlie Atkinson, and in these episodes, we'll be discussing everything to do with electric travel. So whether it be cars, bikes, boats or even planes, we'll have it covered. We'll also be speaking to people from within the industry to get their views on the EV space, as well as other features such as electric car reviews, electric motorsport coverage, and much, much more along the way. This podcast is available on all streaming platforms, so be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to receive every single episode as soon as it's released. And please do go back and check out all our other episodes too. Today, I'm joined by James Walker of Jorvik Tricycles. In this episode, James shares the story of his electric tricycle brand and explains how he created the company to give his father, Stuart, who suffers with Parkinson's, a new sense of freedom. James is here to talk about the journey of Jorvik, how he has reinvented the tricycle and what the future has in store for his company. First of all, then, welcome to the podcast and thanks for thanks for joining us today. Now, before we get into sort of the nitty gritty of everything and what goes on at the company, I just wanted to ask you to talk about the sort of inspiration behind the company really because I did a bit of reading and it is a really inspiring story so what is what has the journey been like for Jorvik Tricycles and yeah how did this whole journey begin? Yeah so uh, unfortunately my father suffers from uh, Parkinson's disease so with Parkinson's disease it can affect your stability, Um, he has trouble walking, Uh, he can't do long distances but his Parkinson's, uh, all Parkinson's are sort of can be different from one another. There's obviously the famous sort of Parkinson's, which you see on TV quite a lot with Muhammad Ali and, and so on, where you, you shake. But my father's Parkinson's is he seizes up. Uh, so he can be walking down the street uh, and then he'll have a, a sort of a, an attack and he will literally freeze solid. Uh, and he's unable to move and he's got to have his medication and, and so on and then he leaves up and he can go on his way again. Uh, but what we were trying to sort of do was find something that would give him his freedom still. So obviously with Parkinson's he loses, lost his driving license. Uh, as I say, he couldn't walk very far. So we were thinking a bike or something like that. Obviously a bike, you couldn't stay stable on the bike. We tried stabilizers on a bicycle, that didn't work either. Uh, so then we sort of stumbled across tricycles, which to be fair, it wasn't something we was thinking about. It just popped up on a, on a Google search or something like that. Uh, so I had a word with my dad, we looked at getting him one. What we quickly realized was there wasn't a lot to choose from. I went to a few bicycle shops and none of them stopped tricycles. So that then put search online. Again, there wasn't many companies doing them at the time. I think Pashley was probably the main company uh, and it was very expensive. Uh, so we had to buy him a second hand one to suit his budget. So he had it a few days, brilliant. Loved it, perfect. Unfortunately, that got stolen within a week of him having it from his care home. So then we had to go through that whole process again of getting him another tricycle. So it was on the second time of getting him the tricycle. He was like, why why can you not buy trikes? Why are they not more readily available? Uh, You know, surely there's a market for them. 
so anyway, we've got him another one, but in the back of my head, I was thinking, hang on, is there, is there something here, you know, and is there a business here? Is there something we can do to help people like my dad? So we was going away uh, to Edinburgh for the weekend and we made a little eBay advert and sort of put a couple of tricycles on there. We just thought we'd see if there was any interest in it, you know, might get a few questions, uh, you know, we'll leave it on there for a month and just, just see if anybody was actually interested in them. So we put two tricycles on, went to Edinburgh, uh, we came back to our hotel that night and they'd actually both sold oh, that wow. day. <laughs> so it was like, wow, there's, there's, there's something here. Uh, and that was the beginning of it, yeah. And it's sort of snowballed from there. We've had different suppliers and, you know, there's obviously a massive section of the business in, in the middle from, from there to where we are now. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's just grown and grown and grown. Uh, I think what the difference was with us was from the beginning was when we designed them, we tried to make them look like bicycles. We'd noticed the tricycles that was on the market at the time was almost like these are a disabled product, so they don't need any design. They don't need to look cool. There doesn't need to be much choice. It was almost something that had been left on the shelf. So we instantly brought in bright colours. We made them look like Dutch bicycles. We put wicker baskets on them. Uh, and just instantly it was a success, really. And we've grown and grown and grown every year. So we're probably the largest tricycle company in the UK now, possibly in Europe. Uh, we ship all around the world. We've got six different websites, uh, German, Spanish, French, Italian, English. Uh, we've gone from selling one trike a week from the, my front room to roughly selling uh, about 4,000 trikes per year now. I just, uh, what was yeah. your, so what, what was your, um, what was your background before all of this then? Yeah, so I was into, yeah, I had a, I did have sort of, a, I was into marketing and rebranding products. And so I did have a little bit of a background in, in that sort of field. So it did help. Uh, so there was a little bit of a crossover. So it wasn't like I was so new to this industry. I didn't know nothing about bicycles. I wasn't into, into cycling or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, what we'd, I would, uh, I was into branding and marketing, really. So it did have a, a little bit of a crossover. It did give us a bit of a help at the beginning. Yeah, so it was a bit of an easier step across. So I just, I just wanted to come, yeah. just wanted to come on to the different products that you have. And obviously, you said that you tried to rebrand the tricycle and make them a, a little bit cooler and a bit more marketable, probably. So yeah. if you go, if you go across your product range now, what, what do you, what do you have in stock? And yeah, what, and talk to us about some of the sort of technical specifications of all the different um electric trikes you have yeah so we when we first started we started with uh we call them sort of city trikes so quite a thin wheel uh the type of trike you'd sort of expect to see in a city in a town quite a thin frame light uh it was non-electric at the time uh folding so customers wanted to put them in the boot of the car they could do if they had storage issues at home they could fold it in the shed uh we only did one model at the beginning one model one color blue <laughs> you could only buy blue so uh but then as time's gone on we've we've obviously progressed 
we introduced electrics around four to five years ago. Uh, at the time, we didn't think it would take off in the way it has done, but we thought it might be a small section of the business, maybe 20% of the business. Uh, but where we are today is we don't actually manufacture non-electrics anymore. So the demand was so high for electrics that just, just nobody was purchasing non-electrics. So on a sort of financial and business type uh, decision, we, we stopped manufacturing non-electrics. Uh, so we have quite a few different models. Uh, we've got the jet range. So these are, again, you sort of city style. Uh, we've got ones that have single battery. Uh, then we've got models that have two batteries. So obviously you get twice the miles. Uh, do you want me to sort of talk about the, 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 the spec of each trike, about, you know, the, the how sort of deep jumping's going to... Yeah, if you can, because it's, it's just interesting, because I know there's been, there's a lot of regulation with sort of e-bikes yeah. and e-scooters, so I was just yeah, wondering yeah. how um, the, the sort of specifications yeah, yeah. of your trikes fit into so that. All our, all our trikes that are manufactured for the road after the, it's the EAPC regulations, so that means... Uh, the motor has to cut out at 15.5 miles an hour. You are allowed a throttle. A lot of people think you're not allowed a throttle with e-bikes. You are, as long as it cuts out at six, uh, six kilometers, four miles an hour. Uh, we use it more of a, a, a walking aid. So obviously tricycles are a little bit larger than a bicycle. So it, it, rather than having to push the tricycle, you can twist the throttle and the tricycle propels itself while you're walking at the side of it. Uh, the motors have to be limited to 250 watts. So as long as you pretty much adhere to them three specifications, then they are road legal. So we do road legal versions, but we also do unrestricted versions. So we have a lot of not only, uh, so that, that's the sort of jet range, which is sort of designed for city use and town use, but we also do a mountain trike range. So these are trikes that uh, have four inch thick tires on them, more designed for going off road, snow, mud, sand, that kind of environment. Uh, but what we found is that a lot of companies are now trying, uh, getting involved, obviously trying to get the carbon emissions down, trying to be eco-friendly. Uh, so a lot of companies are starting to purchase the mountain trikes offers and use them as work tools. So for example, Blackpool uh, Council, they've just purchased uh, some offers with trailers. They're gonna use them for litter picking, uh, on the beaches, on the promenades. Loughborough University have purchased some mountain trikes offers. Uh, they're going to use them for their DIY guys, for the security. So you're finding a lot of these businesses now are trying to sort of reduce their emissions, come more into the eco world. So it's, uh, it's really expanding the business as well and giving us different opportunities in different places. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, I wanted to come on to that, to the different use cases, because obviously yeah. over the last like you said, four or five years, the sort of EV world has really taken off and obviously yeah, you've seen sure. sort of demand growing on your side. So yeah. obviously this started as a sort of personal project for you and your dad, yeah. but yeah, you've just sort of touched on it there, but I was wondering if you could expand on some of the other use cases um, that your trikes are used for and also what the market is like for, for you guys, because you're the only company I know of in this industry, but what, what is the market out there? Are there other competitive brands that are often offering similar things? Yeah, there's, there's, we sort of class ourselves as a lifestyle tricycle. So there is, there's a big company in the Netherlands uh, called Van Ram. Uh, 
I would say they're our closest sort of competitor to spec, price point, uh, quality of tricycle, ranges as well, uh, the various models. Uh, but they, I would say, sort of more class themselves as more of a disabled product. What we found early doors is when we was getting people coming into the showroom, they liked the fact that we was marketing the product just as a bicycle, you know, for anybody's use. We found a lot of customers that was coming with certain disabilities didn't want to be on a product that screamed, I am disabled, this is a disabled product. So we've actually, from customer feedback, never sort of gone down that, that, that sort of, um, you know, alley with marketing or anything like that. It is just a tricycle that anybody can use for fun, for leisure, for business. Uh, you know, you may have balance issues, you may not, you may be young, you may be old. The demographic is, is, is wide. We literally get every type of cyclist you could imagine through the door. I think 8% of UK adults have never learned to ride a bicycle. So yeah. quite a lot I'm one of them. I was always running or playing football or somewhere, never bothered. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So it's and it's strange, you know, uh, I can't swim really because my father can't swim. So it, it's not passed down to you, you know. It's just, no, we get a lot of that. I, every week we get customers coming to the showroom and what's great is you get to see. So then when we say the family go out on a bike ride, we might hire bikes, we might be on holiday, we might be at home. They go on the bike ride and I'm left at home. So then what the tricycle is enabling them to do is actually join in the fun. Uh, and you tend to find, so tricycles, it's weird because you'd think a tricycle would be very easy to, to ride. It's three wheels, can't fall over. But if you're a very keen cyclist, they are quite difficult to pick up straight away because a keen cyclist tries to ride it like it's a bicycle so because you've got no preconceptions yourself of how to ride a bike you would get on the tricycle and ride it no problems but somebody who rides a bike day in day out and has done so for 20 30 years they would get on it and try and ride it like a bicycle and it isn't it's a totally different machine so that is actually one of our sort of uh, hurdles that we have to get over in marketing and uh it's i'm going off subject a little bit here but we're based in york so we don't at the moment we don't have stockists dotted around the country so if you want to come and try one of our tricycles you've got to come to york uh and the problem is for some people they they cannot ride a tricycle so you know it can be a little bit of a it, it needs a bit of practice but because we ship overseas quite a lot, we will get customers contacting and saying there's something wrong with the tricycle, it's going in circles. But it is genuinely because they've never rode one before. So we have certain videos we can send them and we just ask them to persevere a little bit. But yeah, it is a sort of a little bit of a hurdle for the business. And it's it's just people's disbelief that this thing that can't fall over feels like it's going to fall over when they sit on it. But it just needs a bit of practice and and guidance really yeah that's a sort of nice link into a next question really because i did want to ask from a sort of business and operational point of view what have been some of the biggest challenges for you guys that you've had to come over the journey so far yeah so i think sort of getting our product into cycling shops so uh you're not a cyclist have you said so you it can, the cycling world can unfortunately be a little bit clicky can be quite uh 
I don't want to say snobby, but it, it, it can be quite, you know, who's got the best bike, carbon fiber, so on. So for a lot of bike shops, I don't think our product for them, they think doesn't fit too well side by side with, with their product. So it has been a little bit of an issue getting them into stockists. And the problem was as well, uh, they may only want to stock one tricycle due to the size of them, but we have eight, nine different models, different sizes, different wattages. So again, somebody may travel an hour to this bike shop, try one tricycle, it's not right for them, and they've got no other tricycles to try. So it has been quite a bit, it's been a bit of an issue getting the product out there to customers who aren't local to York, and we've had to sort of adapt the way we deliver them. Uh, we now deliver them 90% built, so they don't have to involve a bicycle shop. They can do it themselves, unbox it, and, and get it ready to ride themselves. Uh, but it is something we're working on. We have had stockists in the past, but again, with the issue of getting customers to, to, to be able to ride them is what we do at our showroom now is we book out an hour slot per customer. So you get the showroom to yourself for an hour, nobody else comes in, you can try every tricycle, we'll walk, we've got a test facility outside, we can sit and ride it. And again, sometimes you do have to walk with the customer and put a lot of effort into just getting them comfortable with a tricycle. And again, that's not really something bicycle shops would do with their average customer. So that's been a, a, a bit of a hurdle for us, but it is something we're working on uh, at the moment. We're actually planning on, we're just about to open a big test facility in York. So it's going to be an indoor test track. So sort of imagine go-karting, that type of thing. So it's going to be indoors. Obviously, uh, the weather in England can dampen people's days, especially if they've travelled from Scotland, from Wales, they come and it's peeing it down. So we're going to do it indoors. There's going to be coffee corners. There's going to be test tracks. We'll have mat hills and grass and stone. So once we've done that and we've perfected that, we're then going to feed that up and down the country. So we'll put one in Scotland. We'll put one in Wales. We'll put one further south. So that's, that's the next sort of big plans for us. Yeah, no, that sounds really exciting. I just wanted to get a bit of an idea of the sort of size of your company at the minute. Like, how many, how, you, you said you're doing about 4,000 orders a year now, but how many members of staff do you have, for example? And um, yeah, just give us a bit of an idea of the, the size and scale of your company at the moment. Yeah, so we have six uh, permanent members of staff. Uh, we have a couple of uh, part-time staff as well that come in. Uh, so we're based in Weldrake in York, where that's the build warehouse. That's where the offices are based. We have a showroom in the centre of York where customers come and test ride them. Uh, yeah. What, you... I did just want to come on. When we were talking about regulation before with e-bikes and e-scooters and things like that, I know it's a big talking point for the industry. So obviously I've seen in the news, I don't know if you've seen it recently, but Paris has voted to ban e-bikes and e-scooters, or just e-scooters, sorry. So yeah. I just wanted to get your thoughts on Obviously, you're not e-scooters, you're removed from that. But what are your thoughts on the sort of the long-term future of e-mobility and, and sort of micro-mobility micro solutions like yourselves in the future of city centres and things like that? How do you see the, the future of this industry? Yeah I, I, yeah, I mean, I think we are lacking, you know, we're definitely lacking cycling infrastructure. 
regardless of the e part of it uh especially when you go to a lot of european cities the infrastructure they've got there and cycle lanes and and so on and the way the the bike i don't know it's, it's difficult in the uk you know it's it's you know when i'm driving i think i wouldn't want to be commuting every day on a bicycle you know it's it can be dangerous and there is a sort of battle between the car driver and the cyclist and it's you see it in the news and you see it on forum forums and there's definitely a sort of disconnect there i don't think you know as a country we look at cycling in the same way that other countries do and i think that is definitely something we need to sort of get on board with especially if we want to bring down you know global warming and be more eco-friendly uh, the electric part of it, yeah, it's it's hard to say really. I get the scooter idea. I think it's a brilliant idea. Anything that sort of gets people out of the cars, and I mean, the the, the great and what they can do, we can hop on, hop off. It's 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 the yeah, it's the only bit I'm not unsure about is it's the yeah the regulations of them and how people are riding them and are they safe and. Yeah, that's that's the sort of bit that I think we, we still need to do a bit of work on. Uh, obviously, at the moment, you can hire them, but they have to be done through a, a, a hire company and run by the government, I think it is. You can't actually purchase them yourself and ride them your personal ones. Uh, I know we're doing the test cases. I'm not sure if they've passed or not. I'm not sure when the deadline for that is. Uh, but yeah, I think any sort of e e transport is it's definitely the future obviously cars are going that way uh when we first started doing electric trikes uh you sort of got a lot of pushback at the beginning people would say it's cheating why would you use i still get it nowadays if we go on our facebook why would you want to uh you know why don't you ride a normal bike it's you're, you're cheating and so on but it's like we say to customers, you know, if on a normal bicycle, you may have rode 10 miles. If it's electric, you may do 30, 40, 50 miles. That hill you may have avoided before, you now go up it. You don't turn up to work sweaty and smelly if you're using it as a, a commuter form of transport. And I just think people uh, tend to go out on the bicycle more if it's electric, because it does genuinely put a smile on your face. So in general, it's yeah, it's definitely the way forward. But obviously, there's some legalities that the government needs to work out. And uh, yeah, e-scooters is a little bit different because you know I can see the dangers in them as well. And it's yeah, it's learning how to manage it and work in unison, I guess, with you know normal traffic. Yeah, I find it funny that some people say that electric trikes or electric bikes are cheating, really, because yeah. it, it doesn't always have to be with things like this. It doesn't always have to be like a pure physical workout. Like even if you want to go out and just get some fresh air and feel yeah. relatively active, it's it, for a lot of it. I'm sure your dad experiences this as well. It's a lot yeah. of it's the mental side of it, of just getting out and getting some fresh air and, and having that and having that freedom that you spoke about. Yeah. I always remember one story about a gentleman, uh, uh, an oldish gentleman in Hull uh and in the early days we used to deliver them personally because obviously we weren't selling the numbers that we sell now and uh hold not been too far away from york I, del I delivered it to him so this guy was in his 80s uh didn't really get out it was uh unfortunately didn't have many friends or family close by delivered him the tricycle and then uh, a week or two later dropped us a, a lovely uh phone call and he just said just 
him being able to get out into the park at the back of his house 20 minutes a day has totally changed his life you know it gave him some forward to it was his mental health it put a smile on his face and he wouldn't have been able to do that if it one hadn't been a tricycle and two hadn't been electric you know so it's like you say it doesn't have to be this climbing Everest this big thing it can just be this we we have a little bit of a slogan that everybody's Everest is different so you know for somebody who may be suffering from MS for them getting to the local shop may have been the biggest task in the world but an electric tricycle now has enabled them to do that and it may seem minute to somebody else who takes it for granted but for that person to be able to enable them to do that is is massive and you know it's it's yeah it's brilliant Great. Yeah, that's got to be surely the 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 main reason why you do everything. Considering the the story yeah. behind it and everything with your dad, that's got yeah. that's got to be the main yeah. main reason. Isn't it? It's bittersweet, really, because we wouldn't be in the place we are, wouldn't have the success we have if it wasn't for my father's Parkinson. So it is a sort of bittersweet position to be in, but he's he's super proud of us, and that's the main thing. And like I say, we we the aim of the company, the ethos of the company is to supply affordable tricycles to everybody so if we can carry on doing that carry the ethos of the company and like say on a daily basis we get emails we get phone calls we get messages about how it's changed people's lives and it's given people freedom back so yeah it's a really really rewarding uh, job yeah amazing now just to just to finish things up we like we like these podcasts to be short and snappy and i think we've covered about everything but what's the the next steps for for your company what what's on the horizon what have you got planned for this year and um slightly further on yeah so we've just started doing the tri cycle shows so a little play on the word there so again we know it's difficult for some customers to be able to come to york uh so what we've started doing is taking uh, Yorvik tricycles on the road so we've got an event coming up in a couple of months which is at Temley, uh, Henley on Thames yeah so we'll go there for a couple of days anybody who's local to that will put obviously on our social media they can come to us so it's about taking Yorvik on the road really going to the customer rather than always expecting them to come to us. So that's going to be a big part of this year. We've got a cycling show coming up in a month or two at the NEC. Uh, but I think the biggest thing for us is getting these showrooms up and up and running. And again, it's, it's just making sure we can get these tricycles to as many people as possible. And I think putting these test facilities up and down the country will enable that. And we don't want them to just be your average bike shop. We want it to be, uh, you know, we want it to be an experience. We want people to come away from there and actually they've, they've had a good day. They haven't just been and seen a tricycle. They've come away and, you know, they've, they've had a great day. And I think, unfortunately, the sort of disabled market or the, the, uh, the old age market is one that's forgotten about and they're not often catered for where we want to cater for them. We want it to be all about them. We want the customer service for them. You know, we want to sort of give back to these people and make sure, you know, give them the best experience they can where I think they can be forgotten about in a lot of products. That's all for this episode. Many thanks for listening. And if you liked it, then please do check out all our other episodes and be sure to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast from to make sure you get every single episode as soon as it's released. For daily news coverage, features and much more, you can also head over to evpowered.co.uk. Thanks once again for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode of the Everything EV podcast.